morning, church. Good to see you this morning. When we think about our men who are uh, up in the mountains this morning as well, and uh, they may not be with us in uh, body, but they are with us in spirit. So they are worshiping the Lord together uh, up there. We pray for them as they make their safe trip back. We are in the midst uh, of a series called Together. We are looking at the book of Ephesians and how Paul in the book of Ephesians calls us to life together. In a moment, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, but first a question. Have you ever tried to do something by yourself that you should not have done by yourself? <laughs> Ladies, maybe... Uh, My, in, in my household, we have we have one of our spouses has been blessed with a, a fair amount of height, and and another one. Did I say that too strangely? <laughs> okay, I'm 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 at least to average height, maybe slightly above that. My wife is uh, less than average height. And it's not uncommon in my house for me to walk in the kitchen and see my wife um, dangerously hanging off of something strange, trying to reach something that is uh, just beyond her reach. And I will walk in and often be able to just go, oh, here you go. And then I will say, if I am home, there's no need for you to climb on top of three ladders that are on top of the counter to try and reach that bowl. Just ask me. I'll help you. There are things that you try to do by yourself that you don't need to do by yourself, right? I think every weekend, um, many of our emergency rooms are filled up with guys who have tried to do something by themselves that weekend that they should not have done by themselves. I'm a little bit concerned about our group of guys that go to the mountains because I hear there's no cell reception where they're at. And I am certain at least one of them this weekend has tried to do something by himself that he should not have done by himself. <laughs> Truth is, in this life, there are just some things that we can't do alone. We'll see a few of those. Take a look at the video on the screen. Give yourself a root canal. Fall in love. together. In fact, the bottom line is this. We are stronger together. We grow stronger together. 
Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Paul writes, We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We are stronger together. Do you know what the largest living organism in the world is? Anybody think they know? The largest living thing on our planet? Oh, somebody says a whale. Whales are pretty big, but they are not anywhere near the largest living thing on the planet. The largest living thing on the planet is called Pando. It's actually, uh, its name comes from Latin and it means I spread. And we have a picture here. This is the largest living organism on the planet. It is a forest on the southwest bank of Fish Lake in Utah. It's the biggest grouping of aspen trees in the world. And what scientists have discovered is that Pando is not a forest made up of a bunch of different trees. But this is one organism with one root system that has shot up all of these branches that to us appear to be separate trees. Pando covers over a hundred acres of land but it has one root system that links all of the different aspen shoots that shoot up into the sky so beautifully. As you look at Pando, you see what appears to be individual trees, but below the system, they're all linked by their roots. The roots grow unseen under the surface of the earth, but they keep the whole grove alive together as one. This organism is strong because there's a common root system that keeps the whole growth strong and alive. The church is a lot like that. We grow stronger together. And we may be individual people that have our own lives and our own walk with Christ, but we are nourished by a common root system. We are held together by our commitment to Christ and to one another. And Paul explains to us here in Ephesians 4 that the body of Christ is made up of a common root system that nourishes us together so that we grow stronger together. Paul said that we are in every way growing to be more like Christ. In every way, we as a church body are growing to become more like Jesus. That is God's will for you, to be more like Jesus. That if Jesus was living your life, that you would do the same things Jesus would do. 
That's God's plan for your life. And we support one another so that all of us together are growing to become in every way. That doesn't leave much out, does it? That every part of our lives would grow to become more like Christ. And then Paul says that every part of the body of Christ, that's the church, every part of the body of Christ fits together perfectly. Some of you, I'm sure, are puzzle folks. You ever put a puzzle together? Puzzle is made up of uh, many different pieces, but they fit together perfectly. And when you put all the pieces of the puzzle together so that they fit together perfectly, then you are able to stand back and see a beautiful picture. In fact, if you come into our house and you, uh, you visit with us, you might notice that we have some pictures that are hanging on the wall that actually began their lives as separate pieces all cut apart in a cardboard box. And we would spend hours taking those little pieces and finding out how they put to, fit together perfectly. And when we got all the pieces together so perfectly and we look back and said, that is a beautiful picture. And we put it in a frame and hang it on the wall and admire how beautiful the picture is when all the pieces come together perfectly. That's what God has in mind for his church. That each piece, each member, each one of us has been designed in a certain way so that we can fit together with the other members of the body of Christ and we would come together perfectly. Paul says that each part does its own special work. We fit together, and each one of those parts, when they fit together perfectly, has a special work that they, that they were designed to do. Some of you are car folks, I understand. I have learned along the way, although I am not a gearhead, but I have learned along the way that all of those parts that are in the car fit together in a certain way and each have their own special job to do. Have you ever had a car that didn't work? And you look under the hood. I'm, I'm one of those guys that if my car doesn't work, I'll lift up the hood and I'll stand there and I'll look at it. Maybe I'll stroke my beard. Because, because that looks like, you know, I'm very deep in thought when I do that. <laughs> And I'll look at it. And if you were to walk up to me and say, oh, what are you looking at? I would say, I would say, well, I'm looking at a car that doesn't work. And beyond that, I have no idea. So if, uh, you know, if the battery cable is disconnected, I'd probably notice that. But otherwise, I'm, I have no idea. It just doesn't work. And you're supposed to look at it. And I, but what I would be looking at is a whole bunch of different parts that fit together, that create a system that when it works well is marvelous. But when one of the parts breaks, it throws the whole system out of whack. You ever taken your car into the shop? <laughs> I know you have. You've taken your car into the shop because something wasn't working right. There was a knock or a light that was on or your inspection was coming up and you knew you needed to get this fixed first. 
and you take it in and the mechanic says, oh, sure, we can fix that. It'll only be, you know, $10,000 and it'll be as good as new. And then you drive home and on the way home, the light comes back on or the knock comes back in. And so, oh, you got to take it back to the mechanic and you say, you just fix this. And you say, oh, it must have been the wrong part. It must not have been what I thought it was. Well, it's because each part has a special job that it was designed to do. The body of Christ is just like that. When the church is working the way that it's supposed to, and we are fitting together perfectly, and we are all doing our own special work, we are like a well-regulated engine that moves our church forward, accomplishing the mission that it is designed to have. And when every part is working together well, we can move through the mission of Christ faster than we would have imagined. But of course, in many, many churches, people have some vague awareness that everything, uh, the, the church isn't firing on all cylinders. Many churches today have some kind of check engine light that's on. And everybody realizes, well, there's a check engine light on here. There's a knock that we can hear. We don't seem to be going as fast as we used to. But we're not sure which part it is that needs to be fixed and replaced. So often we get many then different church mechanics that start replacing and changing parts, trying to identify those areas that we need, that we need to, to be repaired so that we can be a well regulated machine accomplishing the work we were called to. Every part fits together and each part does its own work. I've been talking about machines, but Paul actually, when he writes about this, he talks about the human body. And that every part of our bodies are made to fit together perfectly. And each part does its own special work And every part of our body that God gave us is important and vital for that work to be accomplished, for us to have a healthy, meaningful life. All you need to do to find out that some part of your uh, body is, is essential is for it to stop working the way it's supposed to. I get frustrated with my fantasy football team sometimes when I hear that uh, one of my running backs has got an owie on his toe. A turf toe, they'll call it, or something like that. And I'm like, you're a big, strong athlete with all those muscles, and you're paid millions of dollars, and you're struggling because your toe hurts? <laughs> but all you got to do is have a toe that really hurts, and you start to realize how essential your toe is for the fully healthy functioning of your body. Am I right? All the parts function together each part doing its own special work. And what is that special work? Paul says that it's to help the other parts grow. The body of Christ is stronger together because each part of the body of Christ, each member of the church, each one of us here today has been created so that we would fit perfectly together and we each have been given our own set of talents, skills, abilities, and passions that when we use them to do our own special work, the work that we were created for, that we can help the other parts in the body of Christ grow. 
Growing how? In every way more like Christ. You have been given a particular set of skills, talents, gifts, abilities, and passions that no one else has. And when you use those for the good of the body of Christ, our church grows. It does, it grows numerically, yes. But it grows in health. And it grows in depth of knowledge of Christ. It grows in connection to one another. But when large numbers of us withhold the gifts that God has given us from the good of the whole body of Christ. We all suffer alongside that. There's a way that God has intended for us to grow that we will not grow. If we are not using the gifts that he's given us to help the other parts grow in every way to become more like Christ. The end result of that, Paul says, when every part fits together perfectly, and each part does its own special work, helping the other parts grow. The end result of that, Paul says, is that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. See, the whole church, each member of the church, and the church is one organism, is healthy, growing, and full of love. See, we're stronger together. Think if Paul was alive today and was uh, using Twitter instead of writing letters on papyrus, he might say, uh, we is greater than me. And you can say that, just we, the greater than symbol, and me. And get away with as few characters as possible. It would fit on a bumper sticker that could go on your car if Paul was the guy who wrote bumper stickers. We is greater than me. Because when the we is growing well, then each of the me's is able to be nourished with what it needs to be strong. See, if we come into church, and what every one of us who comes into the church is saying is, I need to have my needs met, and I'm here today for you all to take care of me. And if every one of us walks in here with that idea, at the end of the day, none of us are going to have our needs met. But if we will walk in here and if every one of us would say, I'm here to take care of the needs of someone else. I'm here to make sure that someone else is cared for and that someone else grows closer to Christ today. If we will all do that, then all of us will grow closer to Christ. Just a little bit later in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, Paul will call us to this mutual submission to one another in love. And then, then he says that wives should submit to their husbands and that husbands should love their wife the, the wife the way that Christ loved the church. What's that? Well, that's, that's to submit to the good of your wife all the way to death, guys. That's <laughs> what Jesus did for his church. But that's just an example of what Paul is saying should be happening in the whole body of Christ, that we submit to one another out of love. 
because we know that we are stronger together. And when we care for others in the body of Christ, they will also care for us. And we will elevate each other in health, in life, in health, in our spirit. And we will grow stronger together. Well, what does that look like? I'm going to jump over to Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer tells us, gives us a list of things that we are called to do together as the body of Christ. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to pick up in verse 20, excuse me, it's Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to pick up in verse 22. And it says, let us, there's that stronger together idea. Not you by yourself do this. But let us together, because we're stronger together, because we is greater than me. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us go right into the presence of God. We are stronger together because we experience God's presence together. Let us together experience the presence of God. And I know many of us have private times with God that are meaningful, that nothing else can replace. That when God and I get alone in our prayer, in my prayer closet, and I'm all alone, and I read the word and I pray, I receive something from God that I will never receive any other way. But there is also something about my relationship with God that I will only ever experience when I am with God's people, with the body of Christ. It's good for me to worship God alone. But it's good for me to worship God with others, too. <clears throat> worship happens best when we are with God's people, each sharing our talents. Those who know how to play the piano, play the piano. And those who know how to sing, sing. And those who know how to lead, lead. And together we are swept up into the presence of God. But something more important than good worship happens when we come into the God, God's presence together. Why, why, why we are called to together experience God's presence. Because sometimes we come to the house of God and our faith feels weak that day. Have you ever had that moment? You're walking through life and you're facing struggles, difficulties, hardships. And we walk into church and we're told to stand and sing. Somebody loves me, answers my prayers. We think, oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if somebody loves me. I, I, I just felt that this week. I, 
Does God really answer prayers? I'm struggling with that this week. Because if God is a God who answers prayers, then why would I be struggling with this? Why didn't God take this away? Why isn't God at work in my life the way he is in this song that we're singing? We come into worship some Sundays and, and we feel weak in our faith because we're struggling with the realities of our lives. But that person sitting next to you or in the pew in front or behind or across the aisle, maybe that week they're coming in here just overflowing with the goodness of God. That they have seen God work in their life this week and they just know that God loves them and they have been just bubbling over with testimony because God has answered a prayer that they've been praying for a long time. And so when the church is told to stand up and sing and they begin to sing, somebody loves me, answers my prayers. They just know this is true in the depths of their soul. And they sing not only for themselves, but they sing for the one who is struggling that week. Sometimes we need to borrow someone else's faith for a little bit. And that happens in worship in amazing ways. Let us come into the presence of God together. So when we get to the end of our service today and we sing our hymn of response, if you are filled with faith and joy in the Holy Spirit, then sing loudly today and let someone else borrow a little bit of your faith because we're going to come into the presence of God together. Let us come into the presence of God together. He goes on and says, let us, let us. Hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. And the writer of Hebrews doesn't say you should do that, each of you on your own. That's a fool's errand. He says, let us hold tightly to hope together because we are stronger together. The New International Version says that we should hold unswervingly to hope. It's like hope is the road that we're driving down. And on either side of the road are two ditches. They're the ditches of hopelessness. And when we are driving through life, it is so easy for us to begin to swerve and head towards the ditch, isn't it? And I got two teenage drivers in my house right now. We hope that they learn to drive unswervingly. What happens? What happens if you're driving down I-85 swervingly? And lots of swerves. What's gonna happen? It's gonna be an accident, there's gonna be a wreck, somebody's gonna get hurt, you're gonna run into another car, you're gonna head off the road. We need to learn to drive unswervingly. We are told in scripture that we need to learn to live our spiritual life unswervingly, holding on to the hope that we have in Christ. But that's easier to say than do because that life has a way of just showing up and ripping the hope right out of our life, doesn't it? And we find ourselves heading toward the ditch. That's why he says, let us hold on to hope together because we're stronger together and if you were driving down the road if there's a particular part of the road a curve or a dangerous area where cars are more likely to go off into the ditch what do they do they put up guardrails there 
You don't want to hit the guardrails, but at least hitting the guardrail is better than going into the ditch. And we as the body of Christ can provide guardrails for one another. We can step into the life of a friend in the church who is struggling and is heading towards the ditch, is losing their hope in the moment that things will ever be better than they are right now in their life. And we can be that guardrail who walks alongside them and says, I know this is hard, but I will be with you, and the church will be with you, and Christ will be with you. And that begins to give a flicker of hope when that hope had been removed. We hold on to hope better together. Let us, let us together hold tightly to hope. Verse 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. We serve our community, we serve Jesus, and we serve one another best when we do so together because we can motivate one another to keep going when things are hard, and we can help each other discover gifts and talents and joys and strengths and passions that we didn't even know we had when we help one another to discover those things. And we're able to motivate each other to find creative ways to do good in the world that we would never come up with on our own. Let us together think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And finally, verse 25 says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of Christ's return is drawing near. Let us not neglect our meeting together. Put it in the positive. Let us meet together regularly because we're stronger together. We were not created to do life alone. One of us is cut off from the body. And we lose the root system. We lose the support system that God intended us to have. We might look like we're doing okay for a while. But separated from the root system that Christ has created for you, you will not survive over the long haul. And so we are called to meet together for what purpose? To encourage one another. We gather together to worship Christ and to do good in the world, but to encourage one another, to keep the faith and to keep moving forward as the body of Christ. Sometimes I meet people who think that they have reached a level of spiritual maturity, that they no longer to be, need to be a part of the church in order to remain healthy in Christ. I've got my Bible, I've got my Jesus, I've got my worship music, maybe I've got a favorite TV preacher. I don't need the church to be healthy in Christ. I have that already. If you are one of those who is mature enough in your faith that you've reached the point that you no longer need the church to stay mature and healthy in the faith, then we desperately need you. 
At that point, if you are that mature in your faith and your connection to Christ, that you don't need us to stay on the road unswervingly, you don't need us to live your best life with Christ and remain connected to Him and accomplish the good in the world you were designed to do, and you don't need us for that, then i got to tell you that we desperately need you. And if you're not mature enough to see how much the church needs you, then you're not as mature as you think you are. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together, but let us encourage one another. Parents often tell our kids not to wander off alone. That's pretty good advice for all of us. Let's pray. God, you have created us to be stronger together. We are like this amazing grove of aspen trees, Prado, that you have created. We look like individuals, but we share a common root system. We are nourished by the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ and the love of the Creator God. And our root systems intertwine us with one another. We are stronger together. Lord, I pray that we would be dedicated to the good of the body of Christ. That we would not only seek our own good, but we would seek the good of our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that we would grow stronger together. Lord, I pray that we would know your presence more because we seek your presence together. Lord, I pray that we would know the reality of hope in Jesus Christ, whatever we're facing, because we hold on to, to, to hope together. Lord, I pray that we would uh, accomplish great works for you in this community because we motivate each other to good works together. Lord, I pray that we could be encouraged because we meet together for worship and fellowship and service in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, this morning we rededicate ourselves to the reality that we are better together. Lord, I pray that you would breathe new energy into the life of our church as we seek your face we seek fellowship with one another and we seek service in this community in the name of Jesus and we do it together. May that make us stronger. We pray in Jesus, our Lord. Amen.